Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness. It's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair. And, you know, lately I've been bringing you a lot of guests uh, and I get a little bit of... uh, I get a mixed bunch of reviews from people who are regular listeners to the show. Some people love the guests. Some people like me to do the solo shows. Some people wish I just wouldn't talk so much. I don't know. I don't hear that that often, thank goodness. But maybe it happens too. Probably you're just too kind to say anything about it. But regardless, uh, when I have a guest, I don't talk as much. And I think you get an opportunity to learn some stuff that I am not as well versed in teaching. Today, I have a guest that I'm so excited to have on because she's not just a guest. She is a personal friend. Uh, We met in the very, very early stages of that thing that happened a few years ago where everybody got locked in their homes. You may have heard about it. And uh, when we met, I didn't know who she was. Obviously, she didn't know who I was. But when I heard her speak in this little meeting that we were attending with maybe 15 or 20 people at the most in this meeting, I felt some serious passion in that voice and some real wisdom in that mind. And I have absolutely admired and adored this individual ever since. So I'd like to welcome to Vitality Radio my friend, Ali Duzette. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it is such a delight to be here. That meeting was, I mean, it's something that you just never forget. Can I elaborate a little bit sure. more about it? Sure. Um, well, we it was right at the beginning of lockdown and uh, a number of individuals who know a lot about health and felt very passionately about maintaining our health freedom got together in a time when it was kind of scary to get together in person. Um, I think we were less scared of the virus than we were of of other people's reactions to us getting together to talk about it mm-hmm. and to talk about the policy implications. But I guess maybe that would be an interesting podcast on a different day. Um, but we had a lot to say about where the world was headed. And we worked really hard to make sure that Utah would maintain the level of uh, uh, you know, health freedom that I think it did. You know, we, we, we did our best in a time when the climate was very poised against us. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, what's interesting. I, I say this a lot now in retrospect, having gone through what we all went through because this, this wasn't unique to us. It wasn't unique to Utah. Everybody was dealing with this thing right worldwide, not just in this country. And we all felt a tremendous amount of anxiety and pressure and stress and restriction and all kinds of different things. And everybody approached it differently. And regardless of all of that, it was a very trying time for everyone. But the thing that I love about what happened to all of us during that period is the amazing new friendships that I made uh, in those early days, uh, going to rallies and going to the Capitol building and fighting against mandates and all of this type of thing, finding other people who wanted to fight for truth, wanted to fight for our liberty, and who have since become friends uh, such as 
does yourself. So it's been really a great blessing. In fact, you texted me in preparation for this show last night and said something like, yeah, COVID was good to us. (laughs) (laughs) And in many ways it was, uh, even though uh, it didn't feel that great uh, for a a lot of it, right? But let me tell people a little bit about you, Allie, before we go further here. So Allie uh, does, she's a teacher, she's a speaker. Uh, In fact, we spoke against each other uh, uh, unintentionally at uh, Be Healthy Utah. She was speaking at the same time I was, so we didn't get to hear each other's talks. And yet, on this episode, you get to hear basically what she spoke about at Be Healthy Utah, so I'm excited to bring that to you. She's also an author and a practitioner in the fields of health and wellness, energy medicine, and the science of medical intuition. Now, I think that this is going to be a really fascinating episode because these, for the most part, aren't areas that I've dug into very deeply on Vitality Radio uh, over the last 15 years of doing this show. Allie, as I said, is a very passionate person. She has a passion for exploring the power of human consciousness and self-awareness and offers a variety of programs and courses supporting personal development. She delights in helping others to massively expand their own intuition so they can heal themselves and their families on an emotional, physical, and spiritual level. And I want to mention this really quickly. It was just, I think, two weeks ago on this show. In fact, it may have even been just last week. These shows do tend to run together in my head. That I was making this statement that we, not to forget, not to forget to listen to your own intuition when it comes to taking care of your own health. We tend to like to hand everything off to somebody in a white coat or somebody in some position of authority or whatever it is instead of actually listening to what we might know about what's going on inside, I personally believe that we know exactly what's going on inside if we're willing to dig in. And I think, Allie, you're going to agree with me on that statement. I agree with you 100%. And it's been really interesting as an expert in general health and wellness. People come to me with questions about every health issue that you could possibly imagine. And you know, I, I feel like I'm a very good wealth of resources on basically every health issue that you can imagine. But uh, one of my big passions has been to remind all of the people that follow me on the internet that I'm not, I'm not the expert on your body. You are the expert on your body. And I feel like my role is really to remind people of the power of their own inner knowledge on the workings of their body. May I elaborate on that for a moment? Absolutely. Please do. Okay. So so basically, we all have three minds, three parts of our brain that are all working together all the time. So you have your conscious brain, which is interacting with us right now on this radio show. We're listening and thinking about it with our conscious brain. But we also have an unconscious mind, an unconscious part of our brain that is busy doing things like digesting your breakfast. It's keeping your heart pumping. It's monitoring the enzyme levels in your pancreas right now. And these are things that our conscious mind, if your conscious mind had to think like, oh man, I think I need to increase my lipase levels right now. Like we would not be able to function. So our unconscious brain is managing all of these very complex things going on in our bodies. Right now I'm talking with my hands, gesticulating, if you will. And um, these are not things that my conscious brain is necessarily super involved in. You know, my unconscious brain is the one that says, if I want to wiggle my fingers, then I need to contract this muscle and this muscle and this muscle. And my conscious brain is not that involved with 
all of the functions that my unconscious mind is dealing with. Um, but what does that mean? Your unconscious mind is the one that's aware of your diabetes. It's the one that is actually making um, your insulin situation whatever it is. You know, it's your unconscious mind that um, is trying to manage your heart condition. It's your unconscious mind that's dealing with your asthma. It's your unconscious mind that is um, creating the inflammation in your knee or whatever you've got going on in your own personal body. Your brain is fully in on everything that's happening with that. Your brain is the one that is making sure that all of the hormones, all of the enzymes, all of the little chemicals that need to be where they need to be are going where they need to be. And that means your unconscious mind, that part of your brain is the one that's deciding you know what, whatever problem you've got going on in your knee, it needs a little bit more inflammation chemicals right now. And so when you have a physical body problem, you have your own brain to thank for that. Your own brain is highly involved with the formation of all of the quote unquote problems that you have going on in your body. So one thing that I want to mention before I, this is all prelude to the real meat of what we're going to talk about. Um, but one thing to remember is that your body is really smart and your body is on your team. And I, I get a lot of people that come to me and feel just distress and anger at their own bodies because they look at their own body and they say, it's my body's fault that I'm fat. It's my body's fault that I have this problem, that I have that problem. And surely our physical bodies clearly have an important role to play in the etiology of these problems, right? Our physical bodies, our own brains, our own uh, internal organs that are manufacturing these different hormones are certainly creating these problems. But the thing to remember is that every problem in quotation marks that the body is creating is actually a solution. The body is so smart. The body every day is coming up with these massive solutions. And we are the ones that are not listening to those solutions and the hints they would give us about the actual problems. For example, we could talk about fat. That's like a very, you know, a widespread problem. Everyone's concerned about it. Um, how is fat actually the solution that your body has come up with? Um, and some examples of that would be uh, we all are being bombarded with toxic chemicals on every turn and fat molecules act as a shield and a buffer between those toxins and our internal organs. If you're going to be bombarded with toxic chemicals, your body is really smart to create a barrier between those chemicals and your liver and your kidney and your heart and the things that you actually need to survive. And the problem isn't the fat. The problem is our constant bombardment of toxicity. So when we listen to our bodies this way, we can kind of dig into the problem that our body is trying to solve. And of course, there's emotional problems too. Um, a lot of people gain a lot of weight after um, abuse after assault, um, because their bodies realize that when you're, you know, 40 pounds or 90 pounds or something, it's a lot easier for somebody to hurt you than when you're 200 pounds or 300 pounds. My brother's a doctor and he recently had to intubate a patient who was over 400 pounds and she didn't want to be intubated. And he just said, you know, when somebody who weighs 400 pounds doesn't want to be intubated, there's pretty much no way to intubate them. They get to have what mm. they want. And so there's a lot of different things that can play into a person's physical size and weight and how much fat their body has. Um, but fat is the solution. Fat is not the problem. If we want to solve the problem, 
what we consider the problem of fat, we get to ask the body, what is the problem body that you're dealing with that you have created this solution to handle? So all of that was the prelude to talk about what I really wanted to talk about today, which is intuition, because the third part of our mind is that subconscious mind. The subconscious mind is the bridge between our conscious mind and our unconscious mind. It's the part of our brain that's moderating between your conscious thoughts and your unconscious mind that is controlling the function of your body. The subconscious mind is the part of your mind that sees the things that happen to you and makes a bunch of judgments on it. And your subconscious mind is the one that's going to say, okay, when I was skinny, um, I got a lot of unwanted attention from people that scared me or maybe that even hurt me. And so therefore it makes more sense for me to gain weight. So this may not be a conscious thought process that you've had, but if your subconscious mind gets that idea into its head, it's going to impact that unconscious mind and trigger a series of events that's going to alter your hormone profile. And it's going to drive you to be hungrier than you used to be. And it's going to drive you to, um, you know, make more of these hormones that make you store fat and make less hormones that help you release it. Um, and, but the subconscious mind is the bridge and it doesn't go just one way. It goes two ways. The subconscious mind is the one that's going to tell you uh, what your problems are. When you ask yourself, you, you close your eyes and you ask your body, body, what is really going on with this problem or that problem that's, that's happening to my physical health? When you get an image, when you get a concept, an idea, you hear a word in your mind, those things can come via the subconscious mind, that bridge between the, the subconscious mind that is fully aware of everything that's going on in your, in your physical body, all those automatic processes. That subconscious mind is the thing that's going to generate a response to your conscious mind. And this is the big trick. When people actually do this, a lot of times they won't trust what comes into their mind because they'll say, well, but I just made that up. And that is hilarious to me because what do you think it's supposed to be? Of course you made it up. That's the magic of it. Like that's how it works. It's your own body making up an answer that you can understand. Yes. If it feels like you made it up, that means you're probably right. <laughs> ah. Interesting. Okay. So I want to, I want to dig into that a little bit because I think maybe a lot of people have heard bits and pieces of what you're talking about, but I, I anticipate a lot of this is kind of new. And yet I think that the biggest challenge with this whole intuitive thing is trust, exactly what you said. It's like, okay, so I get these intuitive thoughts. And, and maybe it's not about your health. Maybe it's about your children, right? Or maybe it's about you know something else that you have some level of control of uh, or have the ability to impact uh, with your actions. You may be getting intuitive thoughts about all of these types of things. But how does somebody get from asking and maybe even receiving answers to trusting those answers. What, what do you see with people you work with moving from all the way in on their intuition and being able to actually listen to that as a, as a source of trustworthy information? Yeah. Well, if it's okay to mention, I just published, my most recent book is called Mastering Your Intuition. I have nine books out on Amazon right now. And one of them is specifically about this, helping people go from not trusting their intuition to learning to trust it. And so um, so I would recommend that as a, a really good starting place, you know, um, 
that's very thorough because there's a lot of different things that go into it. Um, I think what you're particularly talking about is kind of an emotional issue of, of that struggle to actually um, trust the things that come into our minds, because we, we kind of spend our whole lives being taught that what we are perceiving is not accurate. Um, So so I have a bunch of little kids. I have five kids. My oldest is 11 and my youngest just turned two yesterday. Happy birthday, baby. Um, but even I, as a parent, you know, when they come to me weeping and wailing, cause they have a scratch and you can't even see that scratch. It's like, there's no blood. There's not even like a mark and they're, they're weeping and wailing. And I'm sitting there like, okay, guys, like, let's be real about this. You know, even in those moments, that's me kind of teaching my kid not to trust her own feelings, you know? And so even though I like kind of know better as a parent, it's so hard to hear your kids making a big deal about something. And as a parent, you're like, oh my gosh, honey, take a chill pill, dear. Um, So let me interrupt you really quick then. So you're saying that a lot of this distrust is actually programmed into us then uh, when we're young. Because I believe, and, and we we talk, I've talked about this before a little bit, but I want people to understand, uh, I, I guess my take on it, and then we'll get yours and see how close we are. But that we have all of these things that are basically programmed into us as little ones. Uh, I've read some science saying that by the time you're seven or eight years old, most of your subconscious maps are basically formed for you by your parents, your siblings, your teachers, the television, all these different resources that we have to learn because we're just, we, we come down here to some degree as a little bit of a blank slate. And we're just soaking up all of this information. And maybe we learn to distrust ourselves even before we're consciously aware that, that that's happening. And then later on in life, don't you think that, and, and I'm really curious about both of these answers, so I know I'm answering or asking the question together, but we'll try and uh, go back and listen to both of these answers because I think these are important points. Later on in life, most of us, and I'm not, I say most of us because I'm the only one I know of that's actually perfect, but outside <laughs> of people like myself, which of course there's only one, right? But all of us, including me, right, make stupid decisions, right? We do things that get us in trouble, that get us hurt. Maybe it's physically, emotionally, mentally, whatever it is. And and I and I say stupid decisions because I think that's going to resonate with people, but I actually don't necessarily believe in stupid decisions even. These are just decisions that take us to a place where we have the opportunity to learn. That's how I look at it anyway. But regardless, once you make a few of these decisions that hurt then wouldn't you say that's another area where people really learn to distrust their intuition? Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. Where do we start with this? I'll, I'll well, let's go talk about childhood me. first, if we can. What, what, what's happening yeah. with your two-year-old when you say, hey, chill out. You're not really that hurt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of times it ends up being that children learn that they can't trust their own feelings. They can't trust their own a body's messages to themselves. And, and that can kind of haunt us for the rest of our lives until we as more mature people can look within and realize that that is what's going on. You know, when we consciously come to that conclusion of, oh, I don't trust myself because I spent my whole life feeling like I couldn't trust myself. Once we consciously get on board with that, then we can start consciously changing it and consciously choosing into trusting 
ourselves, even when we feel that feeling of, well, I'm making this up. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Um, we start making the conscious choice to override those fears and start trusting. And I'll tell you my favorite exercise. So I'm a, I'm a religious person. Um, I am a Christian. Um, and so I have often prayed for kind of like training opportunities where I can have a chance to practice trusting my own intuition um, without, uh, how do we put it, in a low stakes situation. I'll say like, God, can I please have a low stakes opportunity to trust my intuition? Can I have hmm. a low stakes opportunity, like a practice? Can I just have a practice where I'll get a little thought in my mind and if I act on it, then I will clearly see how it was my intuition and how it worked out for me. And if it if it doesn't, if I ignore it, then it's not going to be like a car accident as the, uh, you know, we're not going to have a big problem because I ignored it, you right. know? So I'm a big fan of that as practice. But that kind of brings us to your second question of in adulthood, a lot of people who've been trusting their intuition or what they think is their intuition and then things fall apart things go very badly for them and this does happen um where people think and maybe they are but at the very least they think that they're trusting their intuition and then they have like big horrible stuff happen in their lives and then they get scarred from it so i have a lot of thoughts about that um one of them is that because our intuition is highly linked to the function of our subconscious mind, if your subconscious mind is still marred by trauma, then the intuition that you get is going to be colored by that trauma. So a lot of times people can think that they are listening to their intuition, and maybe they are, um, but their own intuition is still in, it, in itself, it's in trauma mode. Does that make sense? So for me, it's really important that we work on healing, particularly our subconscious mind, um, using our conscious mind to reinform the subconscious mind so that when the subconscious mind is relaying its messages, its messages are more accurate and that when we are perceiving them, we are more accurate. You know, it's really important that we are clearing out our own trauma issues and our own, um, what you might call like a false belief programming. Some people would call it that. Um, but really it's just the beliefs that we have glommed onto over the course of our lives that aren't technically true, but inform everything that we think. When we start changing those, um, we're going to have a more accurate perception of what is actually going on. And we're going to have more accurate intuition. All right. So then if these traumas that we've experienced, because that's another thing we, most of us don't escape without some of, right, in this crazy world that we live in with our crazy families and our crazy marriages and our crazy kids and our crazy government and crazy <laughs> neighbors and teachers and everybody else, because all of us have this amazing gift, I believe, that was handed to us by God when we landed here, and that is that we have this agency to do whatever the heck we want, right, regardless of the consequences. And unfortunately, a lot of people's agency gets in the way of our own happiness uh, in many cases. And of course, ours can get in the way of theirs as well. And then we end up with these traumatic things. And some of them can be 
you know, physical trauma from being injured or, or, or uh, hurt in an accident or something like that. Much of it is emotional trauma and much of it is unseen by people outside of, of ourselves or at least our very small kind of inner circle. Uh, when we have these traumas that we're dealing with and you say they color our, uh, our intuition, what do you recommend or what do you teach that helps people to overcome these things so that they can clear all that up and actually trust more in what they're hearing from from within? Yeah, well, I run a, a big library on the internet of by donation. I call them sessions, but it's basically kind of like this. It's like a podcast where I just talk about these different issues, but it kind of clears out the subconscious mind. Um, so I, I have that whole... I have that whole kind of thing set up. Um, but on a, on a, when we're talking about things that you can just do right in this moment, um, some of the things that I recommend um, are a little counterintuitive, but honestly, just breathing more deeply helps break apart the bonds of the actual chemicals that are in play here. Because one thing that people, I think, forget I think, I think it's really easy to think of emotions as this kind of like nebulous thing. They're just kind of like this etheric, you know, nobody knows what they are, but we do know what they are. They're chemicals. They are chemicals mm -hmm. in your body. They are molecules. They have molecular structure and form and they take up space inside of your body. And uh, these, and, and the same thing with all of our, you know, our thought processes that we get after a trauma those are not just nebulous things. Those are actual neural pathways in your brain. Like if you had the right technological equipment, you could see a picture of your thought. Those are real things. And so um, when you take very deep breaths, uh, your lungs actually create neuropeptides that break apart uh, these bonds and start clearing out old emotional molecules and stuff like that that shouldn't be there. And so that kind of is what got me started on my own journey with this. Um, I didn't realize that's what I was doing, but I looked in the mirror one day and I realized that I always had my shoulders up by my ears. And I thought, wait a minute, that's, that's not biology. Like that's not where they go. They go down there. And I took a really deep breath and relaxed and immediately my shoulders went right back up. And it was because I was under so much stress. I was a primary caregiver for my dying brother. I was at a one-year-old, I was pregnant um, and we were broke and it was a tough time and my body had just squunched right on up to deal with all that stress. And I just decided I was gonna take deeper breaths and every time I looked in the mirror, I would consciously breathe and relax. Hmm. And what I found is that as I did that, a whole lot of old emotional stuff was coming up I would feel these emotions and have memories of these old events that had happened in my life that had contributed to my tension. Um, but as I would breathe them out, I literally was breathing them out. You know, I would take these deep breaths and feel like, oh, that kind of left. I don't feel that so much anymore. And I realized that just breathing more deeply 
was shifting the functionality of my entire body, my muscles. And of course, when your muscles start relaxing, your organs are not under as much stress, literal stress and tension. So they have a little bit more space to function more freely, and then they can do a better job of managing all of the hormones and the enzymes and the different chemicals they're in charge of monitoring all day long and manufacturing and disposing of. Um, so that's one thing that is so simple that people forget how powerful breathing actually is. In our modern age, we breathe so shallowly. Of course, everybody has an anxiety disorder. We're breathing, you know, we're breathing like losers. Come on, guys, take a deep breath. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. I, I love that you brought this up and you've already inspired me to do another show talking about this in more in more depth uh, with just the breathing side of things. But something that I've really embraced over the last few years is breath work for these purposes. And I talk all the time. You can't listen to Vitality Radio without me talking about the microbiome and the gut and how there are neurons in the gut five times as many as there are in the brain and that the gut and the brain are connected and all of this stuff. But what I haven't discussed much, if at all, I'm trying to think if I've ever talked about it on the show is the neurons that are present in the respiratory system. You know, we always think about brain cells. And when you hear the word brain cells, your default is, okay, they're found in the brain. But these brain cells are known as neurons, and there's five times as many in the gut, and there's a whole bunch in the respiratory system as well. And so as we breathe, which again, you know, at the very beginning when we started talking, Allie, you brought something up that I thought was really uh, pretty critical, and that is that we have, you know, these three parts of the mind or the three uh, forms of consciousness, right? This The sub that we're really focusing on here, but then that unconscious mind. Well, the unconscious mind is, is what has us breathing shallowly because we're in this state of fight or flight. We're trying to get stuff done. We're worried about our dying brother in your case or the pregnancy or the one-year-old or what the brokenness or whatever the thing is that's currently on your mind that's stressing you out, right? And then subconscious or, or unconsciously you're doing this hunching up and you're breathing shallowly and everything else but we can take control of breath right we can take full control of breath and there aren't very many things in life that you can take full control of but you can control that and you can breathe deeper and you can count breaths and you can do all these different things that really have a tremendous neurological impact on our stress, our anxiety, and everything else. And I think that is just, we can't gloss over how powerful that is. Thank you for that. Yes, that's so true. We actually only have a few automatic processes that we also can control consciously. Yes. And the big two are breath and blinking. And both of those are very powerful for processing trauma. If you've heard of um, uh, rapid eye therapy or EMDR, they both use like blinking and looking in different directions while you process old traumas. And um, I don't do tons of that in my work, but sometimes my sessions do incorporate that. Um, but that's another thing that you can do, taking conscious breaths and consciously um, using your eyes to process. I mean, geez, that that's so complicated. We should not dig into that right here. But that's why I focus on the breath, because that's easy. You can just choose to breathe more deeply. Anyone can do that. You don't have to listen to an hour of training on where to look and how to blink or something. You can just breathe. Mm -hmm. And when you do breathe, you are activating that link between your conscious and unconscious minds. You are uniting the automatic processes with your conscious brain, and you can override old programming that way. 
Yeah, and you can literally stop fight or flight and take yourself back to rest and digest just through breath. It's really powerful stuff. Okay, so I I love all of that. The part that you said, though, that I didn't expect and that if it's okay, I want you to elaborate on just a little bit more is you said, and I just want to make sure I understand what you're saying here. You said that when you breathe deeply, it breaks apart uh, or or alters the actual uh, neurological signaling, basically. Is that what you said? Did I get that right? Yeah, that is what I said. Okay, explain (laughs) that to us in a little bit more detail so people uh, can get a grip on it, including me. I want to make sure I understand it. Yeah. Um, Well, that is my understanding of how, like, the science aspect of how all of my work actually functions, you know, is that um, when when you take a deep breath, and it, it has to be a deep breath, these shallow breaths are not activating the part of your lungs that are deep enough. Like the parts that we want to activate are pretty far down in our lungs. Mm -hmm. And that's the part that's going to create these chemicals that actually break apart the bonds of basically trauma chemicals. You know, we're creating a chemical reaction. That is, that is one of my passions about emotional healing work. um, And that I think really um, sets apart my work from I mean, there's a lot of people that that are really interested in emotional healing and stuff like that. But um, I don't know. I feel like so many people like that are kind of like on the woo woo end of the spectrum. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I feel like I am just not. That is just not my jam, even though I don't know. A lot of stuff that I work with, I think people that aren't familiar with the science end of it would be like, that's weird, but that's because they haven't, they don't, they haven't dug into it and they don't, they don't understand the chemical nature of how our life experiences become encoded into our body's physical tissues. Um, when we take these deep breaths, we are enabling our bodies to break apart the chemical bonds of our previous traumas. And a lot of this, I think, you know, there's the neuropeptides that are created and also I think we also have to not ignore the role of just pure oxygenation. Yeah. Our tissues are not being properly oxygenated. Fact. You know, all of us here, including myself, could probably stand to breathe a lot more deeply than we do. And when we do that, we are just flooding our own tissues with more oxygen. When your own body is receiving the things that it needs to function, it starts shedding the stuff that it doesn't need anymore. So when we are providing our bodies with you know, oxygen, just pure oxygen. It's free. You can have more of it right this minute. Come on, guys, take a deep breath and breathe it in and know that as you oxygenate your tissues more thoroughly, your tissues are going to start purging the stuff that maybe they didn't have the strength to purge before because they didn't have the oxygen that they needed to do that. You know, we're going to strengthen all of our tissues just through the power of breathing alone. And when we do that, we enable our bodies to purge the things that are not serving us anymore. Okay, excellent. I love that. Now, you said in your, you sent me a little bio, which I read through at the very beginning. And one of the things that I love that touches on what you just said is that you say, and, okay, well, I'm just going to read the whole, this, this whole portion. You're a teacher, a speaker, an author, and a practitioner in the fields of health and wellness, energy medicine, and the science of medical intuition. Now, energy medicine feels like woo-woo, right, to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I would say medical intuition sounds super woo-woo to a lot of people. What I love about what you said is, and the science of uh, medical intuition, because 
it wasn't that long ago, Allie, that what you just talked about with all this breath work was so woo-woo, right? Nobody was talking about the science of that. Now you got the this, I think it's the second biggest podcast in America, if I understand right, uh, Andrew Huberman after Joe Rogan. Uh, he, he's a, you know, renowned neuroscientist and all kinds of people from all kinds of walks of life are talking about him. And he's talking about breath work and the power of breath work and how it can heal you from emotional trauma and all this stuff. And he's a flipping Stanford scientist, right? He's not a woo-woo guy at all. In fact, he'll be the first guy to tell you that if there's no science to back it up, he ain't talking about it, right? So I love that you said that because one of the reasons that in all the years I've done this show, I haven't had a bunch of energy medicine people on is because of the woo-woo factor. People tend to get discounted. And even if the person really knows what they're talking about, in many cases, they don't understand how to explain it scientifically. And I like a little backing to the information that I share uh, to make sure that, you know, we're not just sharing ideas, but we're actually sharing some valid points that people can bring into their lives and, and help themselves heal. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. I feel like that is like <laughs> the the big secret to my own success is that um, my degree is in soil sciences, soil chemistry. Um, I and of course, I have a, a strong religious background. And um, so I've really come at this approach to healing from a very grounded place, a very science-based place, um, and wanting it to make sense on a religious level, on a chemical level, um, and really digging into that. And I think a lot of people gloss over that part. I mean, a lot of people are just not, um, you know, educationally equipped to be digging into that end of things. You know, anybody can start healing their emotions. They really can. It is not it is not so difficult, but what is complicated is understanding the science aspect of it. Yeah. Why and does it work? Not so much. Why does, does it, it work? work. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But I think that I love that you pointed that out about that. Um, that other podcaster talking about this from a science-based perspective, everything that I do is science-based. Um, and the, the trick right now is that the rest of the world has not realized that it is science-based. And most of that is just because, um, I don't know, it's hard to get the word out about things, you know? It's just, it's just hard to tell everybody about, about different things. And then, of course, you have, um, I mean, geez, if, if Big Pharma knew that how easy it could be to heal from different physical problems just through breathwork alone or just through, you know, these very simple emotional healing techniques, a lot of them would be uh, in a little bit of a financial crisis, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that there is um, some amount of embedded, uh, how do we put it in a, in a tactful Bias. way? And it, yeah, there's a bias. Yeah, there's there's just, um, you know, a status quo that has a lot to gain from maintaining the status quo and from denying the scientific backing for a lot of, um, you know, we could call them new ideas, but they're not new. You know, um, we're talking about, you know, Chinese medicine that's been around for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. um, we're talking about these. I mean, br breathing has been around for at least several thousand years. Yeah. Most know? of us have been doing it all our lives. It's true. Most of us yeah. are kind of yeah. breathing experts, you know, <laughs> actually. Um, but there, there is a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons for a lot of people with the power to actually get out 
this information to prevent it from getting out. Um, And again, I think a lot of people that are presenting this information don't do it from a very, um, you know, respectable sort of space. They're easily discounted when they're They're talking about because they sound like super weirdos. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, you know, I've had a lot of weirdos on my show before. You're easily the weirdest, but uh, but as we... <laughs> no, but really, it is it is it is a thing, right? Because one of the things I talk about on Vitality Radio too is is the inherent bias of that everyone has, right, towards whatever their belief system is, right? So whether you're religious and you have a bias towards your religion, or you're political and you have a bias towards your party, or whatever affiliation you you know affiliations you share, or you're selling something, you have a bias towards that. I sell things for a living that I talk about on Vitality Radio. I clearly have at least the potential for a bias because I'm selling people things, right? You sell books about all of this stuff that you're talking about. You sell classes classes and programs, you clearly have a bias towards some of the things that, you, that you're doing, or at least have the potential for that bias, right? And so then it, but then when we talk about like big pharma, it's easier to throw them under the bus because they're big pharma, right? They're big and ugly and nasty and disgusting. And, and, and people that listen to shows like mine are already pretty much on the boat of, yeah, maybe we shouldn't trust those guys, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean you can trust all the guys that are selling vitamins or all the people that are selling breath work or whatever it is, right? And that's, again, I think, to a large degree, maybe the largest degree where we have to still go back to what we talked about at the very beginning, and that is, does it feel right? Can I actually actually ask myself these questions? Is this guy on Vitality Radio speaking truth or is he selling me something? Is this woman that he's got on talking about breath work or uh, healing trauma, is she speaking truth or is she selling me something? And that maybe is the biggest challenge of all because a lot of people are pretty convincing out there. But then that's where I think your approach makes so much sense because you do, you don't just say, breathe and you'll feel better. You say, breathe and you'll feel better. And this is why. And it's all based on how this stuff really works. And I think there's real value in that. Yeah. Well, thank you for bringing all of that up because you didn't bring me on here to talk about artificial intelligence, but you better believe (laughs) that I'm going to talk about it right now. (laughs) But we are right on the cusp of a, a massive technological revolution that is going to, in my opinion, um, we may see the collapse of the information internet. And by that, I mean um, that we are engaging right now in the information internet. We are contributing to the market of ideas mm-hmm. uh, by what we're talking about. And now we have this technology that could copy both of our faces and yeah. make a, a completely fake conversation and put it out there. And and it can do that for all of the humans that exist. And as I, I think that we're going to see that. I think we're going to see um, a massive explosion in the information that is available. And much, much of it is going to be false. And yeah. much of it is going to be presented as though it is true by, by experts that were not, they don't even exist. Yeah, or that and, people already trust in saying things that they didn't actually say, right? Yeah, like yeah. I don't know if you've seen like the fake Joe Rogan podcast mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and this kind of thing. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more of that. And in the end, I think of this just to drive it back home to the importance of intuition. The thing that we're going to have to be able to trust is our own our own intuition. We're going to have to be able to trust. If I may, if I may pull on my little religious hat, we're going to have to trust our connection to God, the divine. Um, 
we're going to have to be able to trust our own our own little body message of is that true is that true asking our own selves and listening to our own body's messages to us about the things that we're hearing from the internet and so um you know in my own work um it's been interesting as i said in the beginning i get a lot of people that i think I don't know. It feels weird to say they put me on a pedestal, but I think they do. And I'm very uncomfortable with that. And I spend my whole time saying, you can't do that. (laughs) Like you shouldn't do that with me and you shouldn't do that with anybody. And that's the only reason why I'm here is to tell you, don't do that. Don't do that to me and don't do that to anybody. You need to be the authority on your own life. When you have a question, you need to be able to, to assess a number of different answers and take it back to your own body and trust that your unconscious mind and that your subconscious mind are going to be able to deliver to you the accurate answer of what is correct for you to believe and understand about a situation for this time and place with, you know, with an understanding that situations change. You might not be able to trust somebody when they say X, but maybe when they say Y, that is accurate for you. Or maybe you're getting an answer today that might change for you tomorrow, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I think as technology advances, especially in the next five years, we are going to see more changes societally than we have seen since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. I think that is what we are about to see and we're right on the cusp of it and this is the time that we need to be learning how to decide for ourselves what is true and what is not true and so to bring it back to this podcast it's okay if people listen to this and think oh my gosh these are weirdos (laughs) that's okay (laughs) so guys don't take my word for it you don't have to believe me it is safe for you to just take your own deep breaths and decide for yourself if that's helping you and your body you know you are qualified to listen to us and make your own informed decision on that even if being informed to you is just listening to your own body your body is enough to inform you about the things that are important to the function of your own body well i love the word you use there you're qualified you're qualified to listen to this and do what you will with it, right? You're qualified to recognize it as truth or fiction or whatever you want to call it. And there are so many of us, man, I love what you just said. There are so many of us. I hear it all the time when people ask me questions about, you know, what to do for their daughter's ear infection or what to do for their urinary tract infection or what to do for this or that. I get it all all day long. I get so many questions on Instagram and on Facebook and in the store and a whole bunch of other places, our website chat, they're all over the place. People asking me these types of questions. And I love that people ask me these type, these types of questions. This is in no way uh, disparaging the questions. I love that uh, I'm seen as someone who is a reliable resource. Thank goodness. Um, that's That's fantastic. But one of the things that I have noticed that happens a lot is I put out a lot of the same information over and over again. And slightly different ways. Would you say that you do the same thing, Allie? Yes. That's why I created all my sessions is that I was answering the same things over and over and I thought, oh, I should just have a shoulder session for shoulder pain and answer all the questions at once right there. (laughs) Exactly. Right. So, and yet you have that, right? And you still have people ask you about shoulder pain. That's a hundred percent. Okay. (laughs) All right. So I've talked about urinary tract infections so many times in such great t- detail on so many different episodes that when people ask me the question, I can point to about five different episodes where I've gone over it in detail, exactly what I recommend, what the research says and everything else. And I know because I've had people 
you know, kind of fess up after they're asking me these questions that they've already heard that. And then they go to me again and ask the question, what do I do about this? And that to me speaks to that person's lack of belief that they are qualified to take care of their health. Yes, a thousand percent. And I, and I get this as well, you know, um, where, I mean, I think everyone wants to think that they're a special case, like no offense to all of them. <laughs> Guess what? I mean, like, I want to feel that way too. And I find sure. myself in those thought processes yeah. where I'm like, oh, I could, I could just like do this protocol or whatever, but like, oh, I should really just go double check with, you know, maybe my situation is different. Right. You know? right. Um, and, and yeah, that I don't know, but I don't think I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because I think it speaks to the innate human understanding that all of us is in we are each individual we have sure. individual body needs and our bodies are aware of that and I think that we have an innate drive to confirm that what like X protocol is going to be appropriate for my specific mm -hmm. body but the problem is uh, no one can confirm that except you. Right. Like, you know, as an expert, you know, I can talk about, you know, urinary tract infections all day long, um, but bodies are individual. And at the end of the day, you personally are going to have to be the one that decides which information you're going to take, what you're going to try. You're going to have to make the metrics in your own mind of like, this is, this is how much I will try it before I give up, before I conclude it didn't work. Um, this is um, like, these are the symptoms that I would not tolerate in my quest to get better, you know, we have mm -hmm. to be the ones that make those decisions. And it's scary um, because I think we also have an innate human desire to not want to take responsibility for the things that happen to us. You know, we don't want things to be our fault. Yeah. And so we want an expert to come and say, to make the, the to make the beautiful promises and just say, yeah. if you do X, then you will absolutely experience Y when that's not possible. Um, I, I manage a, a gigantic group on Facebook on um, detoxing from heavy metals, which is, mm -hmm. I'm like very passionate about that. And it is astonishing how many people come in and say, how long does it take? How long will it take for me to detox my heavy metals? And I understand that people don't think that's a ridiculous question. Like it, it seems like a reasonable question, except if you put on your thinking cap, it's like, well, gall, honey, I don't know. Like how much heavy metals do you have? <laughs> I don't know. Like how many, how many sprays a day are you planning to take? Like, are you planning to fill up your car with gas and breathe some gasoline fumes today? Cause that's going to add a, a, a couple days onto your time. You know, like yeah. people just don't think about this, but like everybody is so different. Like even the experts are not fortune tellers. We don't know. Like the only person that's possible to know is your own unconscious mind. Your own unconscious mind does know how many heavy metals you have in your body. Your own unconscious mind is keeping track of all of that stuff and segregating, off, segregating it off with fat cells and granulomas. It's partitioning off little pieces of your body that have become toxic. It's your unconscious mind is the actual expert. It's you. You are the one that knows the answer, but they come to me because I can talk with my mouth and tell them an answer they can hear with their ears and their conscious mind. They want a conscious answer right. when the only answer that they can actually trust and that can actually be accurate is a subconscious answer that's acting as that bridge between the unconscious mind that has the actual answer. But there you, you Allie, are the expert. They are not, or at least they don't feel qualified <laughs> as such, right? And so right. then they're coming to you. So here's the other thing that I find really interesting, and, and we're, we're, getting, we're getting a little long here, so we'll try and wrap this up here in a couple minutes, but... 
I, th- I find this very interesting in what we both do. It's very interesting because, you know, primarily you teach um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I've, I've watched a lot of your stuff and certainly we've talked uh, a lot. You teach uh, what's the, I'm trying to even think techniques basically, of things that people can do, uh, whether it's breath work or it's any number of other techniques that you teach because you you have all these different tools for people. That's probably a better way to put it. You you provide tools that people can learn to use uh, to get on top of their health health problems. You're not out selling vitamins and minerals and herbs like I do. And one of the reasons, well, the reason really that I wanted to have you on is because I don't believe that vitamins and minerals and herbs are the be all end all answer for all the things that people are dealing with. In fact, the more I sell vitamins and minerals and herbs to people, the more I recognize the limitations of those things, which are still really awesome things and can help a lot of people with a lot of these problems. You know, we've said urinary tract infections nine times now, but there are things that are sold at health food stores like Vitality Nutrition that can take care of a urinary tract infection most of the time. Uh, and so, and then here's, here's the thing though, that I think is really interesting. You've got this, this side of things that you do, and I've gotten kind of the side of thing that I focus on. And then I also have, have brought my focus around. I actually talk about breath work quite a bit nowadays and some of these other things, recognizing the limitations, but here's what I think is happening most of the time when people are coming to someone like you or someone like me and saying, hey, how do I do this? Even if they've already heard it once or twice or three times before, maybe even from other sources besides us. And that is that there's a conflict because what they were raised to believe was that the doctor has that answer for them or the pharmacy has that answer for them or their therapist has that answer for them or whoever it is that's the professional and oftentimes the white-coated professional. And sometimes that person has that answer for them. And sometimes that person has been right and provided that answer for them in the past, right? So then when they hear a completely different answer from someone like me or a completely different answer from someone like you, even if it resonates, they have this question because, well, that's not what he says. So maybe those two things don't line up in their head and they have to get extra confirmation because the experts are clashing now. Yeah. I mean, what we're talking about is cognitive dissonance, Mm -hmm. right? Where we're trying to reconcile two contrasting beliefs, two contrasting opinions from experts that we, you know, respect their opinion for whatever reason, which again, just drives it back home. We have to learn how to get in touch with our own body and figure out that way what is the right answer for us? I have to tell you a story. It's so fast. It just came into my mind. Allie, tell this story. I had <laughs> Let's COVID. Hear it. And, um, and when I had COVID, um, my lungs, you know, I was coughing, coughing, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a history of asthma, uh, cr- chronic bronchitis, reactive airway disease, all this stuff. I have, I have always struggled with my airway and respiratory system. In recent years, I don't. Ever since detoxing my heavy metals, I have not had any problems until I had COVID. And as I was trying to figure out what to do about my COVID, I I remember I kind of closed my eyes and I asked my body, okay, body, like, what is the organ I most need to support right now and how do I do it? And I was shocked to hear very distinctly in my mind that the answer was my kidney which you wouldn't expect. And of course, now in retrospect, we're seeing all these papers and stuff that show that COVID, you know, does impact your kidneys quite severely and that 
it's all linked together. And as I did support my kidney through kidney herbs and vitamins and nutrition, I was able to heal from that. I don't have any lingering, you know, post COVID effects or whatever. Um, but I think it's interesting that my own intuition gave me the message before the scientists could give me that message. Right. And, um, and, you know, you mentioned how, like, the more you sell all the vitamins and stuff, the more you see that it's not enough, the more that I sell my, you know, emotional healing tools and techniques and stuff like that, um, I see that that's not enough. We need the nutrition as well. You know, if you're doing all of this emotional healing, but you're not giving your body the vitamins and minerals that it needs to actually create the new tissues that mm -hmm. you need to replace the ones that are not working for you you're out of luck. And so I love that story because we had an example of medical intuition. I used my intuition to find an answer about a medical problem. And then I used actual real life stuff, the herbs, the vitamins to treat the kidney issue. And then, you know, years later, we come out and see many, many papers and studies confirming uh, the role of COVID-19 in kidney issues and you know, if you kind of extrapolate a little bit, a little bit, the role of kidney health in recovering from COVID-19. Yeah. And it's a good thing. This is a podcast and we have some flexibility on time because now I have to tell my COVID story <laughs> because it lines up incredibly well with yours. So let's, let's do this. Okay. So I get COVID or at least I think it's COVID. I never got tested, but I had all the right symptoms and I am generally, you know, everybody gets sick, right? No matter how good a job you take care of yourself our cells have to get the bad cells have to leave at some point we'll get colds and flus and all these different things so i wasn't particularly surprised that i got sick especially because we had so many sick people walking in and out of vitality nutrition for two years um what was interesting was how flipping sick i got i mean i was sick sick i was laid out almost completely. It was, uh, it was a struggle to get out of bed and get to the bathroom and stumble back to bed, uh, you know, 10 steps away. I had never felt that just hammered in my life. And I'll always remember, and I've, it's probably because I've told the story a hundred times, but I'll always remember on day 13. So to preface this just a little bit, I had moved into my parents' house, the house that I grew up in right after my mother passed away. And so uh, I, I moved into the family home and there was a lot of mom and dad stuff laying around that hadn't been sorted through just yet. And a lot of emotion involved in all of that, of course. And I had great, a great relationship with both my mother and my father. So there wasn't a bunch of like trauma that I had to deal with, but I missed them. And wandering around in the house that we, I grew up in for the first 20 years of my life, and living there now where they're not there and it's just me and all that kind of stuff. So we had, so there was a lot of emotional stuff going on and things had been fine. No problems until I got this COVID thing. And I'm just feel like I'm dying. And Allie, I'm taking all the stuff. I'm taking all the vitamins and minerals and herbs and everything that everybody's been asking me what to do for COVID for the last year and a half until I got it that lots of people had had great success with. I wasn't up in the night. The stuff was working for people, but it wasn't working for me. So I'm on day 13 feeling as bad as I had up to that point. We had everybody at my shop except for one person got sick at the same time. 
We had to, for the first time in the history of the store, outside of really bad storms, had to close the store for half a day because I just didn't have anybody that could run it. And so it was getting pretty bad as far as that goes. It was now starting to be a financial burden. I hadn't been able to record a show in a couple of weeks, all these things. So I've got all of that going on, and I I stumbled out of the, the bedroom on that 13th day morning to go to the bathroom. And as I'm walking back, I had this thought. And the thought was, look in the mirror. And I looked in the mirror in the bathroom and I looked in the mirror. I mean, I looked right into my own eyes at about six inches away from the mirror. And I asked myself a question that just spontaneously popped into my head. And that is, Jared, what are you supposed to learn about this? And I sat there and looked in my soul, is what it felt like, and contemplated that question. Why am I going through this? There has to be something besides just being sick and just shedding off dead cells and building my immunity and all this other stuff. There's something more to this. Why am I still so sick? And so those are the things that were percolating in my mind. And I had this thought that popped in from out of nowhere that said, well, if you're going to be home anyway, you might as well get organized because you can't get any work done. And I'm thinking to myself, that's a horrible idea. I can barely sit up. (laughs) I just want to go back to sleep. But it felt like the right thing to do. So in my front room that I had not touched in a year and a half after moving into my parents' home were boxes and boxes of their stuff. Folded up neatly, um, just sitting there waiting for me to do something with it. So I sat in a recliner and I opened up the first box. And that entire day, at an incredibly slow rate of speed, I went through these boxes. Wow. And with every box that I went through was another memory and sometimes a tear and often a smile and sometimes even laughter. And I'm sitting there alone in the room with just memories. And by day 14, I was feeling much, much better. And by day 15, I was ready to go. I felt like I was ready to go back to work. Still tired, but not sick anymore. And I learned a lot. In those couple of days, I learned so many things I could fill two podcasts with it. But as you say, it's just so funny to me that you give this whole story about how you got intuitive and you were told, go take some herbs for your kidneys. And I was already taking all the herbs for my COVID and I got intuitive and my subconscious mind said, get to work, clean that stuff up, unclutter your home find the memories, sort through the blessings that you've had in your life, having such amazing parents and be well because of it. And that's what I did. And that's exactly what happened. I love that so much. I love that. I mean, like that is the the power of intuition. It can bring each individual person exactly the information that they need to heal their own individual situation. And sometimes it is an emotional answer and sometimes mm-hmm. it is a physical answer. And Honestly, it was both for both of us. Yeah. You know, it really was both for both of us. Like you needed you. I'm sure you benefited from all of the stuff that you were taking. And also you needed the emotional side of it. And then I had been doing like pretty much mostly emotional work. And then it was like, okay, now it's time. 
to, you know, take the vitamins, Allie, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it's a two way street. Yeah. It's just, it's just fascinating. I, I have, I've thought about that moment so many times and, and I can tell you also 100% that if that, I don't think that information would have been in my head um, as, as like a ready thought um, if I hadn't been spending time over the, the previous couple of years during COVID, really digging into understanding how the subconscious mind works. Because I'd been spending so much time studying that with my friend Lamont Wilcox and listening to, to uh, Huberman, like I just mentioned before, and reading, in, reading books and digging into this stuff, really understanding it. So I guess you're the expert on this stuff, Allie, so I'm going to defer to you, but I'm going to give my little bit of what I think is my expertise on this topic right now. Now, uh, as we wrap up this show, and then I'll let you finish. And that is that I have lived a life up until I was 46 or 47 years old, I'm 50 now, um, of not trusting my own intuition all that much. And I've literally made the statement many times that I don't feel like I have a very good um, a very good grasp on my intuition and a very good conduit to what God maybe wants me to hear. I've said that lots of times. Now, I look back on it now and say, well, that was not a very good thing to say, (laughs) not particularly productive, because I was convincing myself of this thing that I already felt I dealt with, right? And so we can convince ourselves of anything uh, without that much effort in many cases, if we're not careful. So I've just had that belief. And then as I started to unravel that belief a few years ago, really digging into how people had been able to overcome what felt like insurmountable uh, conditions such as concentration camps in Nazi Germany and things like this, then I recognized that there is really nothing that we can't accomplish if we can just get our head right about how to do it. And that moment at the end of my little bout with COVID was this defining moment in my life where I started to recognize that, oh, you know what? Jared St. Clair does have an intuitive side to him. He can access that if he asks the right questions and sincerely wants an answer. And oh my gosh, when he does, it's really powerful. And that changed my life. And it's always, uh, it's never been the same since. And I don't believe I'll ever go back. In fact, I think I'm really getting better at digging into that side of things, which again is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here because I know that there's so much power in it. And so the answer that I have to the question I asked you very early on in this conversation, Allie, is that if you don't trust yourself, keep asking and keep listening until you do. Because I believe you'll get there if you believe you can get there, even if it's a little shaky at first. I love the idea of starting small, like you said, low stakes questions, low stakes uh, you know, pathways that we might take. And I just don't believe for one second that anybody listening to this show right now doesn't have access to that if they want it. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I you, so many people struggle with self-trust in this area, but 
when we open up our hearts to practicing with it again, and we, we set that intention, we want a low stakes scenario, we sure find it. And I just have so many stories from my own life and other people's lives where they just are open to it. I, a super quick story and we'll end. My friend um, decided he would experiment with this and he felt like he wanted to go out and get a hamburger from McDonald's or something um, at lunchtime from his job, which he normally ate. And he had brought he had brought a home lunch and he thought, is this my intuition or is this me being lazy and not wanting to eat my home lunch and I want to eat out instead? Um, but he trusted himself, went to McDonald's. They accidentally gave him a second burger. And on the way back to work, he sees a homeless guy. And look at that. He had the food for this guy. And we are all entitled to experiences like that. We are qualified to have experiences like that. And that can be your day every single day. Your day can be like that. And it's just a matter of practicing and trusting. So thank you so much for having me on. This has been fabulous. I just love every minute I ever get to talk with you. It's my just delight. (laughs) It's been so (laughs) fun and I feel the same way. In fact, I I have to say this because a lot of people listening to the show know of my sweetheart, Jen. And if you don't know who she is, you need to go back and listen to the episode called Jen's Story because if you want to learn what someone can overcome in in a real world situation, that's a beautiful story. But uh, Jen just is crazy about you, Allie. And she's like, can I listen in? I don't want to have to wait for it to come out on the radio. Uh, Can I listen in? And I I don't have a way to do it. It doesn't work in my stupid little studio. So she has to wait. Uh, But uh, I will say this in all seriousness, she, she really does absolutely adore you. And I'm sure you know that. Uh, but on top of that, you've helped her a lot. One of the there's so many reasons I wanted you on the show today, but one of them is because I've seen the impact of your sessions on her, and I've learned a couple of really really powerful things from you myself that have been uh, truly a blessing in my life. And I will just say this: what I say every time I bring a guest on Vitality Radio, because there are a lot of people that would like to be on the show. In fact, recently I've done interviews with a couple of people that I just couldn't publish because I didn't feel like it was the right thing to put on Vitality Radio. I have a real uh, thing with trying to find the most integrous people that I can. So I will tell you uh, that all of Allie's links uh, to her her uh, YouTube channel and her website and all the other places that we've talked about that uh, that you can find her will be in the show description. And she certainly has my endorsement as someone that can be trusted to help you find trust in your own intuition. Thank you so much. Those were the kindest words in the world. <laughs> well, you're, you're truly an amazing gift and uh, I, I love having you on. And I recognize now that we could do lots and lots and lots of these <laughs> and, uh, and share a lot of really amazing information with people. So thank you so much for your time. I know you're plenty busy as am I. Yeah, thank you. All right, so that is going to do it. We've gone over an hour by a bit here, and uh, we were going to go 50 minutes, but I could talk to Allie all day. Thank you so much for joining me on Vitality Radio. Uh, Remember to check the links in the show description and check out Allie's stuff because it's all great stuff. And if you have questions, call us 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. You can also check us out online, vitalitynutrition.com. Thank you so much for listening to me. I'm Jared St. Clair, and this has been Vitality Radio. You've 
been listening to the Vitality Radio Podcast. Enjoy your week. In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you.